Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. This morning, though, I just want to invite you to open your Bibles. We're going to get into our our series through the book of Acts. Um, We're going to Acts chapter 4 today. And um, as you turn there, um, the other thing that I just want to just remind you guys of is that uh, this is one of the last weeks that we're going we're gonna to have to uh, have open signups for our 242 groups. Um, we remember that uh, in Acts chapter 242, it said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to, uh, to prayer. And that's what the, all those groups are going to be about, those four things. Pretty simple. And, um, and, and we just want, want to just make sure that you have that opportunity. If you haven't signed up yet for that, there's a sign up on the back bulletin board, or you can do that online. But um, we have over 20 leaders right now. Let's just give them a hand for, for leading us in that. We have over 20 leaders that have just gone through a month of, we've done leader training. We've just been practicing 242 together over this past, past month. And we just wrapped it up last Wednesday. And we are, uh, we're like, we're like uh, horses on the starting line, ready to go, okay? And so it is October, it's time to go. And um, so if you signed up and you haven't been contacted yet, expect to get contacted um, by one of our leaders to fit you into a group. They'll tell you when, when we're gonna, they're going to have their first meeting. And the group is going to decide um, basically their own schedule. And uh, for the first four weeks, we're, we, we're going to just basically lead you, lead you through that for the first four weeks, and you'll, you guys will go from there. But um, that's an opportunity. Just, just want to let you know about that. Um, but here, here's just the why before we get into my message today. Here's just a little bit of the why behind it. And I was, I was reminded of it again just yesterday. Um, because as we were um, rejoicing with, with Lori and Alan um, here at the church, our small group text was actually active from Michigan. I've told you about this group because this is, you know, we're going to have the same thing here. But man, it was active again. And one of the, the couples in our group, Tyler and Amber, just three weeks ago, they, they gave birth uh, to, she gave birth to triplets, okay? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And, uh, you know, as, as, you, as you know, you know, triplets is not, it's, it w- would not have been possible years ago. But now because of all the advancements, they're, they're in the NICU, you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, uh, and they were doing well. They were doing really well for the first, you know, for, for this whole time. And we got a text just yesterday as we're on their way, on the way, pray for Penny, their, one, of, one of their daughters. Pray for Penny. She's, she's not doing well. We're on it. We're rushing to the hospital. And so here we are in our group text. We're praying. We're praying for them and, uh, and just praying that God would, would, you know, just heal whatever's going on. We actually found out later it was, it was her heart that uh, was having problems. And uh, during the wedding, actually, God called Penny, precious Penny, home to be with himself. So just keep, keep, uh, keep that in mind, man. Uh, we're here to be with each other through joy and through sorrow. And so, so our, our group uh, that we have in Michigan, 
these relationships will last a lifetime. And uh, that's, that's why I want, I want you to have that. When you go through pain, we're, we want to be the church. We want to be there for each other. And so um, we may be making a trip to, uh, we're actually on our way to Wisconsin um, on Monday, but we may be making a trip to, to Michigan as well on, on our way home. So um, just, just to be, again, with, with that couple and their family through this difficult time. But pray for Tyler and Amber. Pray for uh, Miles and what's the other? Cooper. Cooper is the other, other little boy's name that's still in the NICU, and they're doing well. But uh, just, just keep, keep on praying for them, man. So that's, that's part of it. Um, but let's, uh, let's just have a word of prayer before we get into God's word today. Let's pray for God to uh, just speak to us through, through our time. God, we, we just, uh, just inter, intercede uh, on behalf of Tyler and Amber right now. God, let's pray your peace to be with them. God, that uh, as we as a church also form groups, these 242 groups, God, that you would just form a deep bond, a deep love, a deep care for, for each other within it. God, that we might be the church. God, we might be your people. God, who are called out the ecclesia. God, we, may we just show that mutual care for each other. That, uh, that you have shown for us. And God, may we just uh, be eternally impacted by it. God, as we go to your word today, we are going to uh, just hear from you, God. Help us to apply this to our life in a way that is meaningful. God, that you would help us to have a bold faith in you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, um, last week we had our chili cook-off, didn't we? And uh, is Kathy... Is Kathy here? You know, Kathy Lowe, you didn't win. Kathy, I'm sorry. I don't think, I don't think our, our chili champion, I don't think is here with us, but is she? Oh, there you are. She's back there. Why don't you stand up? Let's, let's congratulate Kathy. Yes, Kathy was crowned last week as the chili cook-off champion, and she gets that crown for the rest of the year. Okay, don't hold on to it too tightly, though, okay? Okay, because we're going to need it back next year. Rhonda's going to be back. Yeah. (laughs) All right, all right. So, but, uh, you know, I I don't know what what your secret was to your chili, but, and I don't know if you want to share it with us, but, but here's the one thing I did hear was that, was it made from fresh vegetables from your garden? Yes. Fresh vegetables, so just keep that in mind for next year. But, you know, last week it, it, it really made me um, think, about, think about something. How, how many of you have secret family recipes? Secret family recipes. Yeah, those ones that you do at holidays and special times. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, we, we have our own secret family recipes. How many of you have a secret family cookie recipe? Yeah, most of us do. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, okay. Well, we are, we are that same way. And can I just tell you, our daughter Zoe has recently just mastered our family cookie recipe. And I would say improved it. Okay. So um, I actually uh, asked Zoe this week, I was like, Zoe, could you, could you bake me 200 cookies? <laughs> and she said, yes. <laughs> and so we have cookies for everyone. And so our ushers are going to hand those out to you. You can eat them right now if you want to. Um, but uh, 
Thank you, Zoe. All right. <laughs> After she cooked 200, baked 200 cookies, she said, that will be $20, please. <laughs> so I pulled out my wallet and I gave her 20 bucks and I think I got a deal. So, yeah. So, but here's the deal. As, as, you, um, as you try this cookie out, I may be a little bit biased, but on a scale of one to 10, I believe these cookies are a 20, okay? And I believe that, uh, that, that Keebler Elves and Little Debbie and Mrs. Vicky, Famous Amos, and even the Girl Scouts may be feeling a little bit threatened right now. But in preparation for this morning, I, I asked her, I said, Zoe, what is the secret to your cookies? Is it extra sugar? Is it extra butter? Is it uh, extra chocolate chips? You know, what, what is it, Zoe? And uh, the way that she responded surprised me, actually, because she said it's, it's not extra sugar, it's not extra butter, it's not extra chocolate chips. The key to these cookies is actually something unexpected and something unlikely and overlooked. It is coarse salt. Coarse salt salt. And who would think about that? Coarse salt. And she's put those coarse, coarse salt in her cookies. And, and what it's done is it has, it has made, made these cookies have kind of a sweet and salty taste to them that brings out the sweetness of the sugar, but then also keeps you coming back for more with the salt that you just can't eat just, just one, okay? And so um, that, is, that is something that, that uh, Zoe actually improved. In these cookies. And to be fair, Susie Bowser is not with us, but we just have to give her the credit because she is a cookie master of her own. And we actually tweaked our family recipe to include coarse salt. And that's Zoe's, Zoe's little trick, secret ingredient to her cookies. So you can try that on your own family recipes if you want. But here's the deal. I say all of this to ask this question. What are the secret ingredients that God uses in our own life? How does God make us bold in our faith and in our witness of him? How does God make us bold? Now, you can probably, off the top of your head, name someone that you say, yeah, that is a bold Christian. That is a bold witness. That person has a bold faith. For God, you can probably think about that person. You're probably like wondering, how can I be like that? How can I have a faith that is so deep and so bold and so faithful like that? How can I be like that? Well, today, as we go to God's Word, I want to just preach a message that will tell you from the book of Acts how we see this happening. Some principles that we can see about how to ourselves have a bold faith. And I'll tell you right up front, we're going to take a couple weeks on this topic. We're going to be talking about bold faith. We're going to talk about it this week, then Brian's going to preach next week, and I'm going to come back to it the week following because there's two passages here in the book of Acts that we're going to be looking at that are going to be talking about how to have a bold faith. And I, I want to preach this message also because I have been there before watching Zoe make cookies, and I'm seeing her put in all this coarse salt, and I'm thinking, oh, don't, don't ruin it. Like, don't, be careful. Don't because that's just, it's unexpected. 
She's like, salt, salt especially, it's going to be really, really salty. And I'm you know, worried about that. You know, in the same way, there are times, things that happen in our life that we may thinking to God, God, why are you doing this? God, stop, stop this. Don't let this happen, God. And like a master chef who is intentional about every ingredient, God is the one that has the secret ingredients in our lives. He's the one who, who is developing our faith into one that is, that is uh, scared, to one that is, that is bold. He is the one that is working all things together for his glory. And so we're going to talk about that today. What are some of the things that God uses? What are some of those ingredients that he uses that are often unexpected and overlooked? What are some of those things? And so my message um, is going to be talking about a bold faith. And we're going to ask the question, where is boldness found? Where is boldness found? And we're going to go to Acts chapter 4 for this. So just to review, if you weren't here with us last week, um, we had a message from Cliff, and uh, let's just thank Cliff for preaching God's word today. Um, Acts chapter 4 is actually a continuation of the whole storyline of Acts chapter 3, and so I just want to catch you up on, on the book of Acts so far in Acts chapter 3. Basically, we have heard the story of Jesus, how he came and he lived a sinless life. He died sacrificially, he rose victoriously from the dead, and he offers salvation to all who believe in him. And in the book of Acts, what we see right, in, right, right away in chapter 1 is that Jesus commissioned those who are witnesses of his resurrection, that, uh, that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we saw in chapter 2 that in a partial way that this was fulfilled as, as God sent his Holy Spirit down to empower these disciples to bear witness in a powerful way through signs and through tongues, through miracles about the resurrection from the dead. And the early church was born. And, and we saw there in, in chapter 2 that there were 3,000 people that were added that day to the church. And they, they gathered together, met together, and they did 242. They, they gathered around the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And that was the church. And then as Cliff, Cliff preached on last week, we see in chapter 3 that there was, there was two men, Peter and John, who were on their way to the temple, and as they were traveling, as they were walking along the way, they met a lame beggar, okay? And uh, you, you may uh, just, just uh, clarify that word lame for a second. This, this did not mean someone who was uncool or boring or annoying, okay? We may not use that word today, okay? This is someone lame meant that he was crippled. He was crippled from birth. And uh, the guy, he's, he's, he's begging for alms, he's asking for money, just like a panhandler on the side of the street, and, uh, and he's saying, hey, Peter and John, do you got money? And, and they're like, no, we don't. We don't have any money. We, we, we can't give anything to you. We, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it says that at that moment, his feet and his ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and he was walking and leaping and praising God, okay? And, and so this miracle made way for a message and they preached the gospel. They preached repentance. They preached, put your faith in Jesus. Look at the resurrection. Look at, look at his claims. Look at what Jesus 
instead and turn from your sin and turn to him. And as you can imagine, people were listening. Chapter 4 is a continuation of that story. As you have your Bibles, open up to chapter 4 if you haven't already. We're going to be following along in in this text here together. And in chapter 4, we see the continuation of this story. We've seen the miracle, we've heard the message, but what is going to happen? And we're going to see in this, over the course of two weeks, preaching on this topic, three unlikely ingredients that develop a bold faith within you, okay? And so, so where is a bold faith found? Number one, my first point before we look at our text is this. It is found in suffering and trials. It is found in suffering and trials. Now, I, I did not hear any of you amening that point. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Okay, thank you. We got one. But I, I know you're probably thinking, um, I thought this church was supposed to be uplifting and encouraging and inspirational. And this is not uplifting and encouraging and inspirational. I, th- I thought you were going to give me something positive today. Well, I, 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 uh, I, would say, I would say that, yeah, that's not what we would expect from a first point, but it's the truest. Because uh, what we are going to see is that when we endure suffering and trials, that God is using that to develop with us a boldness and faith that, uh, that cannot be formed unless we go through it. And so let's pick things up. Chapter 4, verse 1. Peter and John had just healed the lame man. They preached the gospel to the crowd that was gathered. 4, verse 1, it says this. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. We'll just stop right there and just explain what's going on. First of all, that the Sadducees and some other religious leaders were greatly disturbed because Peter and John testifying to the resurrection and preaching repentance, claiming that there was a resurrection from the dead. One thing you need to know about Sadducees is this. They were the most elite religious leaders there were at that time. That's who they were. And uh, they did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. They did not believe in the afterlife at all. And you tell me, well, what did they believe in? Well, they just believed in being very, very religious. That's what they believed, okay? And, and keep, keeping the Old Testament law. And, you know, we, we can say that Peter and John were here then arrested on suspicion of teaching dangerous ideas. You know, it's, it's, it's like those people, those people that you may be friends with, maybe you may be one of them, where you get thrown into Facebook jail because you're teaching some dangerous ideas, okay? <laughs> this is even more extreme, okay? Nobody looking around, we're not looking at anybody, okay? <laughs> Peter John, they're spending the night in jail because of teaching dangerous ideas, ideas that in that day were not acceptable, but were they true? Yes. Yes, they were true. And it was evening. And so they got thrown in jail that night. And they're spending the night in jail because of what they had just done. Not knowing what the next day was going to bring. Now keep in mind, these same Jewish Sanhedrin was the same court that had just months before, about 50 
53, 54 days before arrested Jesus, crucified him, falsely accused him, given him a bogus trial, and crucified him on the cross. It's the same people, the same court that had done this, that were a part of that. And so I want you to just for a second, just put yourself in the shoes of Peter and John. And let me ask you, do you feel like you're winning at this moment or you're losing? You've just done some amazing things. A miracle has been done and you're thinking, man, all we're going to respond to Jesus. And here we got to jail. It feels like losing feels like losing. You know, you're probably asking God, God, where are you? God, what are you thinking? God, you're stopping this movement. God, why didn't you protect us? Why didn't you rescue us? And here they are spending the night in jail. Now, the healing was fun. The preaching was awesome. But this imprisonment is not. God, where are you now in my suffering and trial? We may ask that same question when we go through difficulty, when we go through suffering and trials ourselves this. Winning does not always look like winning. Winning does not always look like winning, especially in God's economy. There are times in your life when you may also, like Peter and John, feel like a feel like you're losing in the moment. But did you know that God is there with you? And he is in that struggle. He is in that disappointment. He is in that failure. And even if it was a willful sin, I will go so far to say that even if you did it intentionally and you willfully disobeyed God, God can even turn that for your good as you submit yourself to him. That he can use it in your future to to impact people. He is not surprised by it. He's using it. Keep on looking at verse 4 because we see how God used it. Look at verse 4, it says, But many of those who had heard the word, they believed. And the number of men came out, 5,000. Now, a chapter ago, the church was made up of 3,120 people, give or take a few. And just one chapter later, it was made to be about 5,000 people a gain of almost 2,000 that had given their lives to Jesus. See, God was still working. God was still active. He was still saving people, and the church was growing. But Peter and John were still in jail. Peter and John were still in jail. Instead of being bitter, instead of phoning it in, instead of giving up, instead of being angry about it, Peter and John used the persecution, we'll see, as a platform for the proclamation of the gospel. Okay, keep on reading verse 5. It says, On that day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were in the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they they inquired, By what power or by by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders, rulers, and, and pe- rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, 
This man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Do you hear their boldness here? Right here, I I believe that we got one of the clearest gospel messages that has ever been preached. And it was preached in front of a, of a, a courthouse full of men that had just days before crucified Jesus. And they could have done the same thing to Peter and John. <laughs> and he, he said some, some pretty amazing things. He said, he said, he's looking at the people that had crucified Jesus and he said, this same Jesus, the one who is rejected by you, He's the cornerstone. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to God. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which one can be saved. And that's the same for us today. That we claim Jesus is the way, he said. He's the truth. That no one comes to the Father but through him. And that's what we stand upon as a church. That's what we believe. That's what we preach, okay? And we shouldn't back down from it. But they're speaking the gospel boldly here to the highest court in the land, fulfilling what Jesus had said to his disciples. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Here he's speaking to the most influential people. See, God has not stopped working through them. He's using their suffering and their trial. This was the very place that God wanted Peter and John to be. I want you to just focus in on Peter here for a second because I want you to remember something about Peter. Peter had been with Jesus since the very beginning. Jesus had himself called Peter and said, come follow me. And and Peter had left everything and and followed him. And and we see that a lot of times Peter stuck his foot in his mouth. he, he 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 was devoted to Jesus all up until the end. When Jesus, when arrested that night. Do you remember what Peter did as Jesus was on trial? He was there denying Jesus three times, even to a little girl, which I think was there intentionally to show us that Peter was a coward. He was a coward, and he denied Jesus to protect himself. And here we see Peter in the same situation, in front of the same people that could threaten his life. And now, in of, instead of being a coward, he's, he's bold. What's happened? God has done a deep work in the life of Peter through the resurrection and through the persecution to develop a bold faith within Peter that he knew that even though they may kill him, that he would be resurrected too. And that's his, his message so Peter is here preaching boldly Jesus and the resurrection at, uh, at great risk of harm and threat of death. And so the heart of all this, I just want to remind you is this. Winning does not always look like winning. For Peter and John who thought this, this, this looks like losing, God was placing them there, setting them up for what he wanted them to do. The work that he wanted them to, to, do, to be about in the place where he wanted them to do it. And can I just tell you for, for us as well. Sometimes the greatest thing that God is doing in you is not the win, but it is through a loss. 
It's through suffering. It's through trials that God is at work within you. So I want to encourage you this in whatever suffering or trial that you're going through. When your day feels like more than a loss, then it does a win. When um, you feel like a failure, like your life is full of hardship, remember God is doing something. He's building you. He is shaping you. He is forming you. He is building within you endurance and faith and resilience and urgency and strength. It is through the trial that God is working all things together for good. That's how God does it. So take a moment and think about this. And I want to just end, end with this because uh, we've got some baptisms coming up. And we'll come back to it next week, all right? But I want you to think about this. What are some of the hard things in your life right now? What are some of the difficulties that you are going through? And have you considered that this is the place that God is working in you the most? And that this is also the place that God is working through you the most. Think about that. That God is using maybe your unemployment, your underemployment, to give you a deeper faith in Jesus as your provider. To help you, help you recognize that there are so many others through it so that you can also assist those that are going through it as well. To develop within you a dependency and a humility before the Lord. Maybe it's possible that God is, is, is using the dysfunction in your home. Or maybe it's in your marriage. To help form within you an empathy for other families that are going through the same thing. To help you realize the deeper love Jesus has for you. That while you're a sinner, he showed his love for you unconditionally and sacrificially. Maybe it's through that dysfunction that you're going through that you're learning the gospel for yourself to show that to your spouse, to show that to your kids, to show that to your family members, the dysfunction in your family. Maybe it's possible even that maybe that diagnosis or that sickness that you've been dealing with for months and months or maybe you've been living with is that God is using this to deepen your dependency and your faith in your prayer life, and your boldness, and your urgency for the gospel. Maybe even, like Tyler and Amber, God is using near to him and remind you of of the gospel to go out, that we're not guaranteed tomorrow, and that to be absent from the body, if you know Jesus, is to be present with the Lord, which we believe precious penny as a little precious baby is there with the Lord at this moment. But man, it doesn't, doesn't take away the pain, does it? He's using it though. He is using suffering and trials. And so as we end, let me just remind you, what feels like losing isn't always losing. Sometimes what looks like failure is the very place that God wants to use to increase your faith. Let's stand together. Let's pray. And we'll close this time as the band, uh, band comes up to end our, end our service with a song. And we, we have baptisms as well. Father, we thank you for your word today concerning how to have a bold faith. And God, I pray that uh, 
you would give Valley Church a deeper faith. God, that if it means suffering and trial, God, that you would bring it, that we might grow deeper and closer to you. God, I pray that you would give your strength to those who are dealing with things right now, dealing with things that uh, feel like a loss. But God, would you use them for your good, for your glory. God, you, you, you don't waste a moment. You promise that you work all things who have been called according to your purpose. So God, we preach your word. We, we speak it back to you. And God, we ask, God, would you do it? God, would you do it? Would you cause good to happen from difficulty? God, bring faith from dysfunction and trials. God, would you do it? God, would you restore? Would you heal? And God, would you use those pain and those trials that we have all been through, God, that we might use them to. Now, you may be here and you may not know Jesus right now as your Savior. You may be saying, this is all new to me. This is all a little bit foreign. I'll tell you, Jesus is the way. He's the truth. As Peter preached, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name on heaven given to man by which we can be saved. And so if you don't know Jesus right now, this is your opportunity, this is your time between you and God to just say those words Peter did right back to God. Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the only way. I believe you're the truth. I believe you're the life. If that's you and you want to ask Jesus as your Savior, just raise your hand. I want to just lead you in a prayer. If that's you. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, praise God. Praise God. Anyone else? Yes. And absolutely. Praise the Lord. And if your hand is raised, just, just, just say this prayer. Knowing that, that Jesus came for the lost. He came for the sinner. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that you are the Savior. I repent of and I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. I want to be your child. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And you rose again from the dead, giving me life and hope and peace. God, I want to follow you. I want to obey you and be your disciple. I want you to take all the bad and I want you to turn it to good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's thank God for those born into his family right now. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you are impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.